Welcome back, Growth Solvers, to another episode of the Good Grow Great Podcast. I'm Talia Toha. If you are new here, we are always talking about ways to grow, not just in your personal life, but also in business, at work, in your entrepreneurial journey, with your family, with your friends, with your colleague, all of that good stuff. And really the point is so that we can get from point A to point Z, or maybe even from point A to point B, but have massive, massive leaps and changes. And that is why we are here to talk some more this week about business and how to grow it and how to crush it ultimately. So this week though, I wanted to focus on books that are on my nightstand. So a lot of questions have come in over the course of the years, particularly now when people are working from home a lot more. Talia, what are you reading? What are some good books for business? What are some books that I can inhale and read so that I can start winning and hitting home runs? And I have a few of my favorites. So I wanted to share with you some of these books and I'll share with you a little bit more information on it in the show notes. They're not affiliate links. These are just books that I happen to absolutely absolutely love. So do check it out because it is amazing. And I believe that wherever you are, you are in your journey, you will also benefit from it. So without further ado, growth solvers, let's get solving. And don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. Okay, so I found this is a really amazing because I remember a time when I was thinking about starting my business, but when I was still working at corporate, right? I had kids at that time, they were super little, and and I was thinking if it was even possible for me to do it all, right? I had those doubts. I have all of those questions in my head because honestly, for if you guys are parents or you know of, of parents, you know, maybe your sisters or your, um, your brothers or somebody you know are parents, you'll know that it is a lot of work. And to start a business on top of it, it, it did ask, it did make me kind of ask these questions on whether it is possible. So when I found this book that I since then have absolutely cherished, I was floored. Okay, so this book basically talks about how to not let your situation make decisions for you, right? And not to let anything standing in your way make decisions and big decisions for you, right? And this is an amazing read because it talks about how to overcome any challenge, right? Not just the small ones, not just about, oh, you know, what time should I wake up in the morning to get stuff done? Not even that. We're talking about big things. We're talking about massive, massive systemic things that you feel has have been standing in your way, right? Whatever it is that you feel has been blocking you, there is definitely 
a way out. And this book talks not about just overcoming it, but it also talks about how to use obstacles as a launch pad. And the idea is that you can turn weaknesses into strength and you can turn things that you cannot do into, yes, we can do, you know, and things that seem impossible at first and turn it into something possible. So the book is called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I, if you have followed me in my newsletter, you know that I am uh, obsessed with this book. And the reason is because it just kind of opened up our minds, you know, about, oh my goodness, everything really is possible if you really wanted to kind of think of it. Yes, with the exception of a couple of rare things, but for the most part, the obstacle is not something that you need to avoid, right? It's not something that you should just kind of, uh, oh my goodness, you know, feel sorry about. None of that. It actually talks about how public figures in history and in current uh, current history, like Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, who, by the way, is not without faults, right? He has faults and failures. He doubted himself a number of times, and yet he was still able to rule, and he was still able to make right decisions and amazingly huge and high-stake decisions that he uh, that people depend upon, right? And his whole philosophy centered around this topic of the obstacle being the way. And so that's actually something that if you are looking at, well, I have this, I, you know, I have a small list or I don't have too many clients or I don't have a pretty website or whatever it is that you're feeling is not enough for you. That is actually the, the actual thing that, yes, you can totally conquer. Yes, you can totally turn into strength. And in doing so, you'll find creative ways and sometimes original ways that no one talks about that you're like, oh my goodness, this totally works for me. And this is absolutely amazing. So if you want to kind of step step back for a second and just kind of take down uh, some notes on what you felt had been stopping you, right? And it, you can even look through your journal or your agenda or calendar or whatever, look through your goals list and figure out what, where are some areas that I felt like, okay, I, I've been wanting to do this, but I haven't, right? And circle that area, highlight it or whatever, and figure out if there is a way out and just kind of start brainstorming. It doesn't have to be perfect. Start brainstorming a list of 10 or 20 things that you can do to move that thing forward. Forward. Maybe it just means that, no, I'm not talking about starting a whole website. I'm talking about just starting a paragraph and making that a website, which by the way, people totally do, right? People totally create websites from something small. People write books from just one headline, one sentence. So these things happen take one step and whatever obstacle is in front of you, it will become the way and you will be able to conquer it, which is amazing. Now, as I got older, this is now years into my business, this really, uh, this topic, this next topic really became a lot more relevant to me, right? When I was younger for a long time, I always felt like 
I needed to get things done as soon as possible, right? Are you kind of one of these uh, these people? I was definitely one of those people uh, who just wanted to get my work done in not just on time, maybe even early, and then I can just move on and do other things, right? And it probably stems from when I was a kid, I was basically told, hey, look, if you finish your homework, you can go play, right? And just from that habitual uh, act, I kind of program in my head that, hey, yeah, if I do X, if I do any X, I get to do Y. And, um, but it was never, and I was a bit of a nerd anyway, right? So I just kind of, I, I did it all just to get things done, right? So, and people would praise you for it, uh, for it, right? And they would, your teachers, your professors, your colleagues, your, your boss, right? As you get older and older, people will keep saying, great, thanks for getting it done, blah, 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 blah. So those dopamine hits that you get from like checking off your list, it kind of, it kind of made you keep doing it. And yet, as I got older, I realized that, well, my time has a cap on it, right? Your time has a cap on it. You wake up one morning and then your day is going to end exactly at X number of hours, right? Whatever it is, however many hours you work, three hours, you know, eight hours, whatever it is. And it's predictable. And as you get older, as your business grows, you'll, you'll have more and more things to do. So then you're faced with this catch-22 dilemma that is almost impossible. Yes, you can hire. Yes, you can delegate. Yes, you can give things to other people to do and uh, share the load. But still, as you scale, it, it started to kind of, you know, that whole system and that whole mindset really doesn't work for me anymore. And so I started, I remember there was a period in my life when I started procrastinating things just because there's so much to do. And I was like, well, I can't finish all these. Uh, and okay, well, I, then I just won't do it. And so it just turned into procrastination, which was really uh, unusual for me. And it kind of got me wondering, okay, why is this happening? And that's when I discovered this book. And this book actually talk about this next book, it talks about three things that you can take home. The first one is why, uh, essentially why fast is not always better right? And that letting your brain percolate is a way to actually spark creativity, which is amazing. And the second takeaway that I took from this book is, uh, is why original ideas actually usually come from a level of procrastination and not from basically getting things done ASAP as our culture has made us believe, right? And the third thing that I took home after reading this book is why it's actually okay to postpone certain things. And that is because not everything has the same degree of priority, weight, or impact. So those three things really stood out uh, for me in this book. And that book is called Originals by Adam Grant. If you don't know Adam Grant, he is an amazing, amazing author, New York Times bestselling. And I highly recommend this book. So when I discovered this book, I realized that 
when I did procrastinate, I would feel guilty about it, wondered how to battle it. And then I start to think twice about whether I should be doing it to begin with, right? And on and on, this cyclical, uh, not even progress, this cyclical toxic activity keeps going. And I love how this book actually talks about how a lot of original and creative ideas, inventions, right, actually came about because inventor, uh, inventors are waiting to, to get that right juice flowing and to get kind of that right idea almost settled in. And actually, the author, Adam Grant, he talked about a time when he was offered an investment share. He was offered to become one of the founders of a company called Warby Parker. If you guys know Warby Parker, they're an online kind of glass e-commerce, a glasses e-commerce store. And it is amazing. It's absolutely, you know, it, it looks great. And it just kind of fills a gap that a lot of the, the market has been needing for a long time, because for a long time, you have to go to an optometrist, get your eyes checked. And, you know, before you realize it, it's a few hundred dollars and your pocket is completely empty, right? So the company's idea is to solve it. Now, when Adam Grant, the author, was offered this opportunity, he was thinking about it. But on the week before the launch, before the website was supposed to launch, he realized that they didn't have the capability to launch the website. And the website wasn't ready. It was a total mess. And he backed away. He backed down and he said, sorry, guys, this is, I mean, this is an online glasses store. You guys don't even have it. So naturally, right, as any uh, responsible person would, you back away from something that doesn't look right. Now, cut to 10 years later. Now, Warby Parker is one of the biggest companies in the world. And a lot of you guys who follow me on my newsletter, it you know that I talk about this example a lot because it is absolutely not just amazing, but also hilarious how, how great they turned out. And it really just kind of shows you that, uh, yes, certain forms of procrastination is actually can actually be healthy so long as you don't lean on procrastination as an excuse to get out and then you kind of sit on it for years and years and years and years, right? So there is a certainly value in thinking through certain things and appreciating basically basically that time when you're kind of in between point A and point B. Amazing. Now, this next book is actually prompted, the, my reading of this next book was actually prompted by how one of my students came to me years ago and told me how she felt like she's been doing all of the things, all of the right things, but she felt like she's running around in circles, right? Nothing gets done. She felt like she's doing all of the check boxes. She's doing all of the things that new businesses should, getting clients, right, uh, checking the, uh, their profit, all of that. Meanwhile, though, she'd scroll through her phone uh, every other day or so, and she would see that everyone else she knows, they are absolutely crushing life left and right, which made her uh, a little bit kind of uh, discouraged, right? And just kind of wonder, well, where did I go wrong is what she was wondering. And it kind of prompted me to think about why, if, whether there is a reason why some people are so far ahead 
of other people and whether there are actual ways to become so ahead of the game and so ahead of the curve that you almost become just the natural organic leader in your particular space. And that's when I read this book called The Rise of Superman by Stephen Kotler. And this book talks predominantly in the athletic world. It talks about how athletes and Olympic athletes and people who have broken records of all kinds were able to break those records. And the question that the book really asks is, okay, well, are we just as human race getting better and better at doing things because the world uh, seems to improve and the records keep getting broken? Or is there something else behind this? And what I took away from that read were, uh, these are my top three takeaways, right? The first one is that the successes of your predecessors need to be celebrated, emulated, and improved upon, right? So if you look around and you see people being successful and they're a few years ahead of you or many years ahead of you, they're actually, you should be celebrating in that because what it means is that their records are going to be there to be broken. And those are that's a huge compliment, not just to them, but also to just how far uh, the space that you're in have gone, right? If records are meant to be broken, that means that we're not getting better. We're not just getting better and people are turning into superhumans, but we've also found better and better ways to do something over the course of the years. And it is built upon previous successors, right? And yours and other people's success mean that everybody wins, which is amazing. This is an amazing concept because I love how, you know, people who you admire may have left clues and pieces, bits and pieces here and there so that you can not only just emulate it and just kind of pick up the things that work for you, but also to improve upon it, maybe to create your own and pave your own path, which is absolutely amazing. And in doing so, you can surpass all expectations set by you and those people who never believed that you can do it. So this is an amazing read. I highly recommend it. And it talks about stories like how surfers were able to do things that previous surfers never were able to do. And it kind of reminded me of uh, Sean White, which is a, a U.S. Olympian, and he is in the Winter Olympics. His, his specialty is snowboarding. And so Sean White, I remember specifically, he had not just broken other people's records, but he came in one year and he broke his previous record by creating this amazing new move that no one's ever dared before. And this is really something that is amazing to watch because not only it meant that, yes, you can even be better than where you are. So if you ever felt that you've capped off, right, you're, you can't go any further, you might want to think again, because just as Sean White has proven, it means that you might be able to do this too. And what a beautiful reminder, essentially, how we are in this together and we can totally learn from one another. And I think this is the most amazing things. So when you look around and you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm so far behind, all of these people are doing so great, 
maybe think again, right? It is something that actually everybody is feeling at one point or another, and it's actually good. I think that feeling is probably meant so that it can propel you forward. And The Rise of Superman, this book by Stephen Kotler, is an amazing read because not only are you going to feel inspired to be better and get better at all of the things that you've been looking to improve upon and also to be encouraged because yes, absolutely. These greats, they make a name for themselves, not by doing things the same way. They make a name for themselves by doing things slightly differently, one thing at a time, which is an amazing, amazing accomplishment. My next book is something that is near and dear to my heart and actually inspired one of the things that I deeply, deeply teach at Good Grow Grade. And that book is Essentialism by Greg McCown. And I remember (laughs) there is one year when within the span of two to three months, I went to a number of different doctors. I think it was at least like six different doctors. And I went for I went to them because I was going through a few really weird things in my body and it was just kind of I didn't understand it. And I've been healthy all my life. I've I've always been fairly athletic. I work out, I eat well, I sleep well and all of these things. And so that was a new experience to me. Now, I thought I was so sure something must have been wrong. I thought it was maybe cancerous. I thought something, I just didn't feel right. And I had trouble sleeping, right? My stomach was uh, was in pain for a, a number of times, a lot. And, um, you know, a few joints in my body were also in pain. So I just didn't understand. So many things went wrong. I went to a bunch of different doctors and they all took a bunch of tests, MRIs, x-rays, you know, the whole lot, right? And after spending dozens of hours with these folks and having a bunch of tests done, paying for it as well, I everything came back normal, which was so odd. And I, I was kind of, I think at that point, I felt a little bit disappointed because I was like, well, surely there was something wrong. But um, actually, no, it was actually, they were right. There was nothing physiologically wrong with me, but one of the physicians suggested that maybe it had something to do with my lifestyle. And I, I was in denial at first, right? I was like, no, it's not. I am very healthy. I do all these things. I kind of spew out all the things that I did. And they said, well, I mean, you know, you're, you were now at that point, I was in my 30s. And they go, well, you're now in your 30s. So maybe you, maybe your lifestyle needs to just change slightly, you know, yes, you can continue to live the way you did when you're in your 20s. But you know, but things change, your body changes well. And that was when I realized that I can't keep hustling until, you know, there's no tomorrow. I used to be able to outwork and out hustle everyone. And that was really something that I culture taught, right? Work hard, do all of the things, and then you will become successful. And at some point, it just is not sustainable at all right? Whether you, you're you growing your business and your business has gotten to a certain point or you're, you know, you have kids maybe that's taking up some more of your time or even if you're totally fine, but you just want to chill back a little bit. You're kind of done with all the hustle. 
So that's when I kind of looked through and looked for a bunch of books that can actually answer this question for me and whether or not, you know, the hustle till you death type of mentality is really something that we should be striving for. And when I read Essentialism by Greg McCown, I learned a few things. And three of those really big things that I learned is that, no, you do not need to do everything. Thank God, right? Thank goodness. And you only need to do a few important things at a time. And that is enough to make really massive changes in your life. And it kind of, when I read this, I was like, this is so simple, yet so profound. Just imagine, right? Like, imagine a car without wheels. If you think about wheels, wheels are so important, right? They're just air in rubber, right? They're very small, and they're, this is a few change, right? But without those wheels, the car isn't even a thing. It won't go anywhere. And I think this is applicable to as well in business, in life, in personal relationship. There are just a few things that is so important that if you do them well, that's all you have to do which is such a breath of fresh air, I felt, right? In the age of, you know, vanity metrics, like you have to do all of these social media things. Those are fine, you know. Um, you know, and then there's also the school of thought that you, there's this hustle bravado that people have to keep hustling and chugging out, churning out all of these things out into the world. You can't do it all, right? I mean, yes, you can, but why? And so this book is just a refreshing take on how to scale down, but still get massive leaps in your life, which I absolutely, absolutely love. I think that is a refreshing take. So that's one of the biggest takeaways from that book. The second biggest takeaway for me uh, from that book is the understanding that most things, if you really look at it, are not actually essential, right? I mean, you get this all the time, like people pinging you and they ding you and they're like, hey, look, you know, this is your, uh, you know, this is urgent, this is important, can you do this ASAP? I would love to get this from you, by blah. And if you really look at them though, very, very few of them are actually essential work. Work that can be, uh, that can act, actually really make a huge difference. And this is probably the hardest part about the book is because you don't always know what is essential and what's not essential, right? And it is actually as much about re kind of rewriting that invisible script in our head that basically says, yeah, emails are so essential. I'm going to stare at it for a couple hours a day. No, they're not. They're not that essential, right? Or maybe you look at social media, right? And you're saying, uh, you know, I, this is something that I have to do. Everyone's doing it, so I'm going to do it. And you end up spending like three hours on it a day. Not essential, right? Good to have, but not essential. So you can keep going and doing it your way on those particular things. But half piece and fine piece and knowing that those are not actually essential. So that's the second biggest takeaway. Now, the third biggest takeaway for me from this book, Essentialism by Greg McCown, is why sustainable work and work that you can carry on for 
months to come, years to come, is way better than speedy work. So if you've been following my newsletter and you, you know that this is something that I talk about a lot, and reason being is because if you look at the cost of starting and stopping, right? Not just the mental cost, but also the, um, the moment, the cost of momentum that you've lost whenever you start something and stop something, it is huge, right? Which means that if you continue to try a bunch of different things, yes, those things are, you know, shiny object syndrome, but really the, the reason why shiny object syndrome can be a problem, not always, can be a problem is because whenever you start something, there's a huge learning curve, right? There's time that you have to put in to learn it. And with that time, you lost, you're saying no to other things, right? Um, so that is why when you found something that works, right, and those things are essential and you've decided and you've determined that those things are really important and essential for your work, for your business, uh, it is way better if you can make it sustainable. It is way better if you can find ways for it to sustain you so that you don't have to revamp, redo, re-energize, right? It's mentally exhausting. So if you're able to find something that regenerates, way better. And particularly if those regenerative things are essential, not just for your business, but for your life. Okay, so I love, check it out, Essentialism by Greg McCown. Now, this next book is something that I absolutely adore. I've moved a number of times in the course of my life. A lot of you guys know this. But what's amazing is that whenever I move, I'm just not able to put this book down. Like my friends back in college would be like, why do you still have this book? Like what, you know, and, and, uh, you know, after college, when I got, when I was moving into another state, uh, people would say that too. My family's like, Talia, what's going on? Why do you still have this book? And I don't have it anymore because the, the copy is so worn and it's just so old that I tossed it away at some point, but I have a new copy now. And that book is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. Okay, so this is a kid's book. And a lot of you guys know that this is a classic piece of literature. And why do I include this book in our collection of business books? It is because if you look at Roald Dahl's writing and why this piece has lasted for generations, I mean, generations, just think about writing, whatever, 20 pages, and it carrying through generations and being passed from one person to another. And just imagine the power that you can do if you can emulate this success. What a difference, right? Going back to that essentialism and finding things that are essential that can create massive leaps. And the reason why I included this is because for a long time, I was really wondering, after I read Essentialism by Greg McCown, I was wondering, okay, if there really are just a few small things that can make a massive change, right, how can we make this, or, and how does it look uh, for, for a business standpoint, right? And so this book really reminded me uh, that this actually exists, and this is actually possible, because... It shows that something so small can change so many people's lives and form so many people's outlook on life, right? 
And secondly, if you do the right things and learn from the right people, when you're building your business, your work will come back to you tenfold for years to come, right? A lot of people talk about passive income, you know, investing in, in things here and there. And it is fairly difficult to find a good investment, but when you find a good investment, it pays back tenfold. And this is what it means to create something that lasts versus if you create something that is quick, um, not that quick isn't going to last, but if you haven't put any, any thought into it and it's not thoughtful and it's not really invaluable for people around you who are needing something, um, something to help them change their lives, then it's difficult for it to carry over generations. And so how do you create a legacy in your business and so that your clients will not just come to you over and over again, but they will tell other people to come to you over and over and over again, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, which means that if you've done things right once, right, it will just keep coming. Just imagine, just imagine how amazing that would feel right that is why this book is worth a read because what you learn is just the simplicity of not just a story but all of bringing people in this amazing journey with you and so part of growing a business is being able to stand hand in hand and arms in arms with other people who are um, your customer your clients your buyers and maybe even your colleagues and your people who are in your space link arms with them because the journey is everything all right so this is these are all of my favorite books i have more, which I'm going to share with you over the next couple of months. But this is a great place to start. I hope that you enjoy it. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe. Growth Solvers, let's keep growing. Mm -hmm.